Uh, hello, it's uh, Peter Rayner. I'm the CEO of GBM Resources, a Queensland-based exploration company. And uh, yeah, looking forward to talking today about our portfolio and particularly our flagship Grumman Basin projects, uh, Epithermal Gold uh, Province that we've assembled. So looking forward to talking and sharing the story with you, Matt. Brilliant, Peter. Lovely to have you on the show. It's the first time we've met and spoken, so I'm sort of keen to understand a little bit the, about the, the, the mix here because there feels like there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, and I know we're going to focus on Drummond Basin, but um, it'd be, be great to kind of get stuck in. Before we do, though, can you give me a bit of background on you and, and the team? Where have you come from? How did you get into this? Yeah, look, thanks, Matt. The, um, we sort of got involved two years ago. The, the company had a really good uh, asset portfolio. It was sort of losing... I suppose focus and, and the ability to, to raise money and, and bring the shareholders along. So really, a team of three of us: uh, Peter Mullins, who's the executive chairman, you know, long history of of uh, exploration uh, company building uh, in in particularly TSXV uh, through Aquiline and, and Laramide Resources, and then Lydian Resources uh, with, with the Amblasar project in Armenia. So Peter, Peter had a strong affinity with epithermal gold systems in South America and, and, and in uh, other parts of the world. And, and he really liked the Drummond Basin assets that GBM had assembled. So as I said, two years ago, Peter, myself, and uh, which I'll talk about later, and Stephen Nano uh, sort of really liked the assets um, and decided to get involved. So we helped recapitalise the company about two years ago and uh, we've been trying to take the assets forward. So a little bit more about Stephen Nano. Stephen Nano, who's our corporate sort of advisor and exploration advisor, again had a long history in South America and in the Santa Cruz district in southern sort of Patagonia. You know, seeing seeing large epithermal district there going from you know when MIM was involved with Cerro Negro, you know, very underexplored region. You know, a few hundred thousand ounces, half a million ounce deposits here and there. You know, turning into a into a province now that's multi-million ounce resources at Cerro Negro, you know, seven or eight million ounces and Cerro Vega Guardia. So the three of us, as I say, got involved a couple of years ago. We liked the assets, uh, could see the potential and, uh, and uh, as I say, got involved. My background, a bit different. I'm a metallurgist uh, and probably more of a, a project builder and, and operator. Uh, so my background's... And more recently, been in private gold companies, uh, you know, developing and restarting assets, but also had, had a strong metallurgical background to uh, to take you know projects through the various study phases and into production. Okay, so talk to me about when you say you kind of had to you came in a couple of years ago and restructured it. I noticed there's got you got kind of three JV projects. I, I assume you brought in some money as well. Can you just talk to? What you walked yeah. into and what you realised very quickly, or how did you realise very quickly what you needed to ship out and what you needed to focus on? Yeah, look, obviously, our you know with the other assets which I'll talk about, you know, Drummond Basin was our focus, but we had you know we had a good asset in Victoria, in the Victorian goldfields, which was obviously hot a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, we're south of Fosterville, we've got a similar age uh, package of uh, ground, small jork resource there, but similarly similar sort of epizonal. You know, antimony, arsenic, pyrite, uh, gold system to to Fosterville. Um, so we sort of saw that as as a nice asset, but something that we didn't want to fund ourselves. So, so really, the strategy was to get all these peripheral assets, uh, you know, funded with strong JV partners or spun out or sold. Um, so we, you know, we're systematically over the last two years, basically, you know, working through the the other assets. So Malmesbury, we we have a strong JV with Novo who are 
who were basically, you know, we bought a 50% interest for approximately $3.5 million of their script. Uh, and they're now funding $5 million to earn another 10%. Um, so we're ha- very happy with that progress. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. The Mount Morgan assets near um, near uh, Rockhampton, in, well, near the Drummond Basin, a little bit to the east, we're in the process of vending that out into a TSXV company, a CPC shell. Uh, so we've got a, 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 an MOU and we're getting close to signing a definitive agreement on, on that spin-out. We've always had the Cloncurry uh, sort of around the Ernest Henry Glencore uh, copper gold system in northwest Queensland. We had those assets, and we've had a good, strong joint venture partner with the Japanese. Uh, last year was restructured, and um, now it's solely with Nippon Mining Australia. Uh, but they're basically funding, and they've got a very uh, small dilution sort of uh, rate there. Uh, so again, that's well funded. We then got involved. I suppose when I got involved in 2019, we brought in a cash flow asset, which was the white band uh, heat bleach operation in, in South Australia. Uh, you know, in today's terms, it's probably not as cool, but back in 2019, it was important for GBM. Like we had a market cap of about three and a half million Aussie. Um, we've raised $20 million since, since 2019, late 2019. And, um, you know, we've got a market cap of 75 million now. Uh, so the cash flow asset at White Dam's longer term is not core, but in the short term, it's about maximising the value of that asset, maximising the cash flow to support our exploration, you know, budget and overhead structure. Uh, and really to get, as I said, all the peripheral assets funded by either third parties or sold and bring all that money and, and focus into the Grumman Basin to okay. basically spend our... Okay, so so I, I I do want to get on to the Drummond Basin because that that's you you're positioning it as your flagship. That's what's important, where the future value lies in this in this in this company. But when you, I want to, with regards to the peripheral projects, you you said right, we can't do these because one they're they don't they're not, not core to our thesis, or they're going to require a big balance sheet and access to capital, which we just don't have. Do you, as an uh, you know junior explorer at that stage, you know very early stage, uh, you know three million bucks type company, go? Do you know what? If we get something from them, it's all good. We'll position ourselves to try and maximise that opportunity. But if we don't, it's okay because we believe in the Drummond Basin thesis that we've got. I mean, how, how do you think about it at that point? Look, we, we, we thought they had value, but, yeah, we didn't want to spend too much of our time and capital on the projects. Like, we weren't going to give them away. So, we, you know, we wanted to retain some exposure and upside to the projects. So, you know, obviously the vend out, uh, Mount Morgan will end up with 47% of um, or post-listing about 30, 35% of the um, PSXV company. Malmesbury, we still have a... We can stay in at 40% or dilute down to 25% free carried through to production. So we've got exposure, but but no no needing to fund those projects. Um, and Concur is the same. We've got a 46% interest in that JV. The Japanese are funding it 100%. We're slowly diluting. Um, so again, exposure to these you know, reasonable projects with, in, in good provinces with good potential. Um, obviously, Mount Morgan and Concur copper gold, and our focus is obviously on gold. Malmesbury, you know, Victoria, great, a lot of sizzle and, and obviously appeal, Victorian gold sort of rush over the last couple of years. But again, we just saw too much you know, effort to focus down there. We're still managing the exploration program at Malmesbury, but they're basically funding, funding the work plan. 
Right. Okay. So, so with Matt, Matt Morgan, you, well, Matt Morgan and, and Cloncurry, you retain a big chunk of that. Um, did you get, was that cash and shares? Did you say? So I'm trying to understand, you know, Matt Morgan will be shares in the new CD listed, relisted company. Right. Um, but obviously they'll be escrowed for a while. So they won't be immediately, but we'll have a reasonable stake in that entity. Um, and then the other two are just JV interests where we're not funding. Right. You say, right, okay, so, so there's a kind of a four-month hold on, on those shares? No, on the TSXV uh, spin-out of Mount Morgan, it'll be a longer period with a predominant uh, asset that's going into that deal. Okay, I'm just, I'm just trying to work out again, you know, cash flows into your business, so you can, you know, you're not dilating shareholders in terms of what you want to try and do at, at the Drummond Basin. So, okay, so that's a longer-term hold, Mount, uh, Mount Morgan, Clon Curry, uh, similar. You, you'll, what, you'll end up with what? 10% now, is that about right? No, because I'll carry, we've got 46% and, and we're basically diluting with the Japanese spending each year. Right, but where, where do you end up when, when they get through to some... Oh, if, if they spend, if, if they spend uh, the full amount, uh, we end up with 10% for gotcha. carry. Understood. Yeah. But you've got no... But, but it's a very slow dilution. It's very yeah, slow Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Yeah. But, but there's, there's no financial obligation on your part with the, either of those. And Marsby, you're getting, what, a management fee um, for doing the exploration program there? Right. Okay. Yes. What's that look like? How much cash does that? Again, I'm trying to oh, work out. Does that help? It's ten or fifteen. Yeah, it's ten or fifteen percent of the budget that they spend. So over, over four years, if they spend five million dollars, it's a small, it's a small management. Right. It, and is no, that, it's not material. The material, the material, the material cash flow is from White Dam. Absolutely. And then, uh, and then some of the other assets, like one of our copper assets, we're selling to a uranium listed. Company. Yeah, um, Brightland Milo. Yeah, again, I'll talk about that in a second. But I'm just again with 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 Nova Resource. Obviously, they've got a massive land package there. Malmesbury is something that you know potentially you know the the Fosterville gets dropped in in every conversation. You know, some potential is is huge. I'm trying to work out what's actually happening on the ground because you're you're running it. Is is that a big program? Is is it advancing? Or yeah, last 2021 was 1.8 million dollar spend. We're just going into a drilling phase now. Um, obviously, they've got to spend roughly one point one, you know, one point two million dollars a year over over four years to to uh, earn in the additional ten percent. Um, so that's, yeah, the spend will be around a million dollars. Tom Curry's about seven hundred fifty thousand or a million third party funded. Yeah, so we've got about two million dollars a year third party funded on those two projects. And Mount Morgan is obviously you know, looking to raise money to fund the exploration activities post listing. Got it. Okay. Let, let, let's talk about White Dam. You talk about um, three, it's about 250000 bucks per month cash flow. How much of that is free cash flow, i.e. you can utilise so elsewhere? Well, that's free. I mean, we're obviously reinvesting a little bit of that money into completing the drilling that we've just uh, finished, some some further resource upgrade uh, work, um, some mining some mining pit optimization work. So the bulk, the bulk of it's free, but we are reinvesting a little bit of that just to, uh, I suppose, understand the value of the asset before we look at how we how that fits with GBM and whether we sell part of it or all of it um, and bring that cash back into the Roman Basin. Right, okay, understood. Um, there's a kind of few other moving parts. So what, 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 which assets sit within the German Basin? Yeah, so we, when we got involved in 2019, GBM had sort of a small resource at the Mount Coolan uh, region, which is on the eastern side of the sort of Drummond Basin. We had a 330,000-ounce 300, resource, a resource there across uh, sort of three deposits, uh, you know, all within five or six kilometres of each other. Um, so modest resource. Um, we then acquired the Yandan uh, resource and project off 
Eris in um, in January this year, and that that and we announced another five hundred and twenty thousand ounce resource there. Look, it's a it's a lower grade resource, but we certainly like the exploration potential and and the infrastructure that's there. It, it potentially is is a central um, the processing hub with all the access to the river water, bailings dams, you know, raw water dams, airstrip camp site power line. So it's a good it's a good it's a good package of land. It's got some good resources on it, got some good potential. And uh, so, again, that, that got us sort of up to about the 850,000-ounce eight, eight pack, um, you know, jork resource. And then in June this year, we, we, we finally consummated a deal with Minjar that had sort of G, the old GBM had, had, had a deal on the table that, that fell over in 2019. I sort of got it back on track and, and we signed the deal in June to acquire the Twin Hills project, which is really... You know, a transformational asset in the sense that better quality ounces, a um, lot of exploration upside, you know, drill intercepts, you know, at 500 to 1500 gram meter uh, over hundreds and 200 meter zones. So, you know, really tremendous, uh, you know, resource. Uh, we see a lot of potential to expand that resource and we'll start drilling that as soon as we, we transfer the leases over, which we're hoping to have done late, late this calendar year. Okay, so we'll start a 10,000 meter program in, in January on that on that asset. Okay, so Twin Hills is a high grade um, project, and you use the word transformational there. It kind of it kind of feels like you came in two years ago, kind of cleaned up the balance sheet, offloaded some stuff, or JV spun out and JV'd with uh, with with the two three um, or three projects there. In fact, one we didn't so we we briefly mentioned, which was the consolidated uranium deal that you did as well. Um, did that bring in cash? Yeah, so we're about again we. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's half a million Canadian cash on signing, and then about one and a half million of their shares, um, which are escrowed for four months. So that, again, that couple of million dollars will come onto the balance sheet as we as we finalise that deal. Got it. Got early it. Next year. Yeah. Okay. So so um, you all this tidying up going on, and um, yeah, I, I, I guess um, the, the the deal you did in January and then is. Was okay, low grade, but it came with a big cap and it's reasonably cheap. From what I saw, you know, there wasn't a lot of cash yeah. outlay, few shares, um, good deal with Aris, and that's you're saying that's the that's the kind of like the cornerstone we needed to be able to go off and do deals like Twin Hills. I mean, Twin Hills itself is, it, I mean, it's it's transformational. But will there be more like that? What are you trying to build here? Look, when we got involved in 2019, the drum and basin, like the drum and basin. You know, it's a big, it's a big basin, and you know, there's been seven or eight million ounces of sort of production and, and resources uh, endowment from an endowment point of view. So it's very prospective. It it hasn't really been explored. And one of the things Steve Nano keeps saying it's it's almost like when he came back to Australia in in uh, you know, the early early sort of twenty tens. It's like the Drummond Basin's been in the time capsule for twenty years. So since Ross Mining sort of had the field reasonably well consolidated in nineteen ninety. Five when they sort of finished. When the gold price was four fifty Aussie an ounce, and it's twenty four hundred an ounce now. It's it's the most wide open the field was two years ago. So one of our strategies was really to pick up as much of the ground, respective ground, plus consolidate the resources. So these three resources are, are really the only top, you know, the first time they've been consolidated under one owner. Um, you know, there's some additional resources at Wirralee and a couple of other other resources that we don't have, but. The strategy was really about pulling the whole basin together, you know, consolidating the known jork resources. But then, obviously, our focus is is, is about finding the next you know 
million ounce deposit, not not necessarily just incrementally building ounces on on these existing resources. So okay, I guess where I'm trying to go to is trying to understand the mentality of, of you three and what you're trying to build here. Because you know you give some clues about where you think about things. You talked about you know Malmesbury. It was kind of it was hot. Two or three years ago, Fossilville taught, you know, two or three years ago, and then the markets come off in 2021. And you know the market moves in, in, in cycles. And this is early doors for you here. So what I'm trying to work out how how do you set this up for success when say gold takes off again? You know, and, and how do you do that with the budget available to you? Because it's it there's like I said, there's lots of moving parts and it's great getting little bits of money in from here, there, and everywhere. But what's the big plan? Yeah, look, it, the focus for 2022 is really good. You know, we've got the one and a half million ounce. Under our belt, like how do we take that to two million ounces or three million ounces? So, so clearly, clearly the bigger structures, the bigger systems that we've got on our tenements. Like we've got thirteen or fourteen known epithermal systems on our on our project. Three have got dual resources on them, um, or effectively four, four or five. Um, so there's a lot that haven't got dual resources on. They've got resources on them. So, so there'll be a combination of you know finding the big new half a million million ounce high grade deposit. Jingo style, and then also, you know, in the background, a little bit of incremental, you know, expansion of the resources that we have, and then starting to frame, you know, in the background what a development scenario might look like. You know, we we think we probably need to be at least two million ounces in resource, maybe, so that we could get to a position of maybe having a million ounce in a, in a reserve. Um, like things are getting harder in, in Australia in a sense that you know small projects. 50, 60, 70,000 ounces a year. It's just too small. So you need to be making at least 100, 120,000 ounces a year. Um, obviously, if the gold price goes to 3,000, obviously, slightly different, you know, it'll change again. But, you know, at the moment, with all the regulating, you know, burden, safety, environment, you know, things do things properly, um, you need to have scale. So, so our view is less focus in the short term on, you know, scoping studies and development scenarios, but we've got to start to frame what that looks like but really focus on exploration and, and through a combination of doing it ourselves and potentially partnering with other people on, on some parts of our ground to, to keep the activity moving forward. Like we don't want to be here in five years' time still poking around, and, you know, be at two million ounces or two and a bit. Like we need to, you know, we want to get there in a hurry um, and uh, if we can't fund it all ourselves off our balance sheet, we'll look at how we fund it with other people coming in. Right, so you, you're kind of giving, again giving some clues about the 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 environment which gold miners are operating. It, yeah, great year to well, great year to 2020. 2021 came off a bit. Um, you know, gold gold price is still reasonably good, but you're talking about regulations and so forth. Is is this kind of like things like ESG demands from funders or regulators to say you must do things a certain way, and therefore things are getting more expensive? I mean, what, what are you talking about? Well, I think there's two things. We like all our resources bar. A small resource at Eugenia are all on granted mining leases. So we've got environmental authorities, we've got granted mining leases. You know, so the holding costs of those assets, you know, is moderately high. Uh, they're not on, this is, you know, these, these aren't on expiration tenements. So so we've got, you know, probably $1.2 million a year in, in holding costs just for the mining leases and the environmental authorities and, and all the water quality monitoring and all the things you've got to do to, to do a good job on the environmental side. So it, for us, it's about, you know, we have to go harder and faster because, you know, if we don't, we'll just go sideways and, and you know, the holding costs will 
will kill us over three or four years. So, so is, yeah, I mean, because if, if I look at your share price this year, it, it kind of has gone sideways, which, you know, I say this a lot, which is if you're going sideways this year with gold, it's kind of a win because most charts are, are, have come off dramatically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that, that kind of focuses the mind. It says, as you just said, we need to go faster uh, or the, the costs are going to kill us. Um, the, so how do, how do you go, how have you decided to do that? For instance, if I look at uh, Yandan, you're saying it's low grade, but do you, how much money are you going to be spending on moving that? Or are you just looking at that as a camp and going to get focused on Twin Hills? I mean, how are you coming at it? Yeah, look, we've got a budget for 20, effectively, next calendar year of about $7, $7 million in the Drummond Basin on exploration. So about a 20,000 metre program with some geophysics and some other you know, ancillary sort of group. You know, we've got to advance the regional portfolio we have as well as, as the known uh, targets. Um, so as I say, about $7 million, we've got funding for that. That's sort of where the white dam asset fits in a little bit. It's, you know, it'll generate a reasonable amount of cash flow in the short term so it helps support the funding. Longer term, you know, again, is, is it an asset we can convert into cash, either by a partial sale or a full sale? Um, but obviously in the short term, it's how we add value to that asset and understand what it's really worth. Uh, that point, like we don't want to sell it for a small amount of money and then find out it's actually worth a lot more than that. So that you know, the next six months it's really just done finding out what it's worth, generate you know some good free cash out of it, and then uh, and then look to you know, recycle that you know capital that's in that business back into the drama basin. Right. So, so just, let's get back onto on, onto white time. I want to understand what you're dealing with. You've got a seven million budget. Do you have seven million in cash today, or is that dependent on the white down fitting into that? No, we've got we've got eight million dollars between um, cash and securities. That that's sort of excluding. The, uh, how much cash? How much securities? Because securities are not as they're liquid, but not as liquid, right? Yeah, we've got three million dollars worth of Novo script in the original deal with Novo. At, so at what available. at what price? At the current at the current price of dollar sixty something uh, Canadian. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's always it was always tough in terms of how you time selling you know shares in, in, into the market. Um, Okay, so White Dam is really, really important to you in terms of you know that exploration program. Um, is there no issues around its performance, its functionality, or uh, or anything else that we need to be aware of? Is there? No, no, no. We're happy with the way it's generating cash. We're expanding production. Uh, obviously, that's my skill set as a metallurgist is squeezing that lemon harder. You know, the seventy thousand ounces, fifty or seventy thousand ounces left. Not, not in jock resource in the heap, but um, it's about squeezing that heap harder and getting getting additional gold out of that heap. Longer term, the future is obviously starting another mining campaign and, and, uh, and converting the jock resources that we have there into, um, you know, in the future mined ore that goes onto the heap. Um, obviously, that's, you know, that, that's part of the thinking about what we do with that asset because to go into another mining campaign, and, and do waste stripping, and you know, before you get the revenue, there's obviously a reasonable chunk of working capital you need to fund. Uh, we we don't want to fund that working capital, so that's part of the logic for you know either selling part of that project to fund you know that next phase of mining, uh, and, and not do it on our balance sheet. Right. So come back, come back to Yandan if I may, because like I say, you, you described the kind of camp that you've got there and the tailings. You know, it, it, it sounds like you've got, it's the right location for you, and you did, it didn't cost a lot of a whole bunch of money. How much value are you attributing to the low grade deposit there? You know, and when do you start to understand if it can be economic or not? Yeah, look, Yandan's got optionality. There's a high grade zone that's clearly a small underground operation, and it might be 
you know, 250 to 300,000 ounce, you know, at three and a half to four grams as an underground. But it has the optionality of a larger open pit. Um, now, it doesn't work on its own. You know, you know the, our, our sort of view is you need, you need the higher grade Twin Hills sort of deposit front load the mining schedule. Um, you know, maybe build a smaller mill a couple of million tonnes a year, bring, bring the higher grade uh, Twin Hills and Kavala Leneva resources in. And then, you know, then you can fund the strip at the end and, and, and maybe expand the plant to three and a half million uh, tonnes per annum and start to introduce that lower grade feed and, and uh, you know, keep your ounces up. Um, but it's funded out of cash flow, not out of, you know, debt or equity. Um, so it certainly doesn't work on its own. And that's sort of, I suppose, the strategy has been about pinning together these assets and then, you know, trying to logically piece the, the, the ore sources across. I mean, in WA, there's lots of, you know, lots of regional mills that have, you know, trucking of, of all, you know, 100, 150 kilometres to a central mill. No different to that concept. Uh, it's obviously making sure you've got the right mix of high-grade ore to front load a, you know, early, early start and smaller mill and expand the mill and uh, bring those slower-grade ounces in. Okay, so that, that's probably where you, that's where I was actually going to go, which is, you know, do, you, do you build or do you toll? In th- so there are facilities within 150 kilometres of you where that might make might make. No, sense. not in... Not in not in the Drummond Basin, so we, there's, a, there's, a, there's a mill up at Pajingo, um, and obviously Minjar own the Twin Hills deposit, and they own the Pajingo mill, but it's sort of 240, 250 kilometres away. So it's, so it's just too far, yeah. So, so Yandan's about 60 kilometres from Twin Hills and about 45 kilometres from the Koala Gleneva, and it's a nice... Nice central location. So when you talk about small mill then, which you would have to fund, I mean, what are we talking in terms of capital expenditure for that? Well, if you were looking at, a, say, a 2 million tonne ton per annum mill, you're looking at well over 150, you know, well, the whole project, you know, 200, 200 plus million dollars. So that's, you know, what are we trying to do? We're trying to grow the resource base and, and start to understand what this, what this project might frame, frame up to be. Um, but yeah, the key focus over the next two years is really drill, drill, and expand the ounce resource base um, acquisitions. There's not much like where are these potentially up for sale at some stage. We'll certainly have a look at it, but it's probably not a key asset for us. Uh, it also has a pretty big uh, refractory resource. Uh, being a metallurgist, I try and avoid refractory projects. Um, yeah, so we certainly like the assets we've got, and we think we'll find a lot more ounces on the on the tenement package we've got. Right, so just, just so your, your shareholders understand and anyone looking at investing in this understands, is obviously you, you've got some money coming in from management fees uh, from, from a couple of the JVs. You've got white down and you've got the opportunity of spinning out or um, selling some of the non-core peripheral assets as well. Is that the way that you would try to manage this or are we going to be needing to dip into the market to raise additional equity over the next two years? Look, I think we will raise money sometime you know, over the next two years because, as I said earlier, we, we want to go harder. We don't, want to, we don't want to just every year that we go sort of don't go as hard as we could have. So, you know, in 2019, we, we, did, we did about uh, just under 4,000 metre drilling sort of at the back end of, sorry, back end of 2020. But in 2021, we'll do about 10,000 metres. You know, we're planning 20,000 metres next year. I'd probably prefer to do 30 or 40,000 metres, you know, because we've got to go harder at this, 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 this ground position. But we've got a big land package, a lot of targets, a lot of, lot of resources on the targets that are non-dual, you know, either 2004 compliant or not even 2004 compliant. So, so there's a lot of ounces there. Um, 
you know, a number of the projects are big systems, uh, Ilamartha, Bimra, you know, the end end corridor is a big system. Um, so it's how do we how do we hit those prospects harder? You know, joint ventures and, and using joint the joint venture model in the Drummond Basin, we will certainly examine, um, like we did with Malmesbury. Uh, if we can't do it all ourselves, again, rather than sitting on the ground and just going sideways, we'll we'll look at what models make sense. Um, you know, the assets like Cloncurry, you know, at the moment it's a joint venture. You know, we could sell that asset, you know, that, that interest. We could sell our, our, our Malmesbury interest. So, you know, we'll be looking, you know, at all the assets we've got and figuring out what's the smartest way to, you know, minimise dilution on our shareholders uh, and maximise our exposure to the, to the upside of these, these packages of land that we've got. So when you walked in two years ago, did you buy into it? Then, or you should. Peter Mullins and myself did, did did a sort of emergency capital raise in 2019, and then we raised like we raised sort of one and a bit million dollars just to keep the lights on uh, to get us through to sort of early 2020, and then we really started a much you know larger capital raise. We did the Malmesbury JV and raised another you know five or six million dollars in April 2020. So look, it's been you know the EVs you know the EVs gone from three million to you know about. Uh, you know, 65 million. We've raised about 20 something, 27 million dollars cash over that two years. So we've added value, you know, on top of the money we've raised. But we, you know, that's really what we want to do: be disciplined about the acquisitions in terms of pricing, be disciplined about how we spend the money, but also be disciplined about you know, not spreading our focus too far and wide, and and uh, and maximising the value of those other assets, you know, for the shareholders. But Okay, so you, you, you came into emergency funding. If, you, if you're underground there, raise 1.5, keep the lights on and get things – to give you time to work out what you needed to do, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. yeah. And, do you, I mean, you obviously pay yourselves. You're not sitting there on, on shares, right? You you get salary. Yeah, well, well, the first 12 months we had, we had a modest salary um, and, and we've got a swag of options when we came on board. Uh, and then the last 12 months we've been on a more, more modest salary. It's in the annual report, um, you know, Certainly, I'm more focused on. I'm not here to for a lifestyle job. Um, you know, I'm here to make make a success of, of the assets we've got, and uh, and obviously I've got, got a shareholding of about two two and a half percent, and Peter Mullins has has a similar shareholding, and obviously our rewards will come through everyone you know succeeding in, in GBM. Okay, and so you, I couldn't work out. You said it earlier twenty million raised last year. Was it, or did you just say twenty seven? How much have you raised? Twenty seven since November nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and how how have you split that up? And what have you done with that? Well, as I say, we've we've invested um, in in the Drummond Basin. We have invested in buying White Dam. In, like we exercised our option to buy that asset, and uh, and invested in I suppose adding value to Mount Morgan and getting that ready for a spin out. And then the rest has gone into expiration and, and the holding costs of these tenements, as I say, the, the holding costs are just on the tenements, you know, about $1.2 million a year. Right. Can, can you just, just so again, I understand, because I'm always intrigued and I'm interested about how you guys allocate capital because you, you've got to do it in the most efficient way possible, right? So you've got to, when you say we've invested into, we bought White Dam, like how much was that? You know, we invested in the Drummond Basin. Oh, what did you do? How much did you spend? Yeah, so White Dam, we put 800,000 in to, to earn an option into that project through, through building the SART plan. Uh, we then had a JV for 13 months with Round Oak Minerals. We generated some cash out of that JV. We then exercised our option for two and a half million, $2.45 million. Um, now again, you know, we could have not exercised our option, 
and sort of held that money on our balance sheet. But I believe we will get a lot more than two and a half million dollars when we sort of recycle that asset and move it on. So, so it was sort of a we had the money, you know, we're silly not to you know to walk away from that asset. And we think we can make more money on it. So, so we apply a bit of capital there. Mount Morgan, we have to do, you know, we have to do a little bit of work funding, supporting 43101 studies for the spin out and, and keep the tenements in good standings. Um, so it's really about, you know, doing whatever value adding we need on the non core assets, but then, you know, be disciplined about how we get that money back by the JVing of the Okay, so I'm, I'm like Dan, sorry. So that's the numbers you've, you've spent at 800 and plus 2.4, you said? 2.2? Yeah, so about 3.4. 3.4, right. Yeah. Um, and how long does that, how does how long does White Dan continue to throw off money for you? I mean, what, how long will that last? Look, it'll, the next 12 months, it'll be, you know, it'll be pushing out that sort of 200,000, 250,000 a month free cash. Then it's going to get a little bit harder, but I mean, the heat, you know, the squeezing the lemon is going to be, get a bit harder. We're probably fortunate that we've had some good rain over the last um, last few months, so we're actually starting to irrigate more and more of the heap. So, so we're getting probably closer to 70 or 80% of the heap being irrigated. Um, so as we get to 100% irrigation, then, then the gold ounces are going to start to drop away, uh, you know, more quickly. Um, but we've got some little tricks up our sleeve to try and optimise that you know, gold extraction in the short term. But yeah, at some point it's going to going to get you know closer to making hundred thousand a month and then break even, and we certainly need to be in a position to be ready for the next mining campaign, you know, well before you get into that case where you're funding losses. So. Okay. So but as I say, we, we it's unlikely we'll be doing that. You know, we'll be having a JV partner or selling the asset. Great. Understood. I just want to be clear because a lot of questions sent out about that. Um, and again, just just on the tolling thing, the reality is your going to be your focus is drill, drill, drill. Next couple of years, right? You may raise some equities. You'll get you've got some revenues also com- coming in to support that. But any conversation around tolling, it's it's premature at the moment, is it? Look, there is some opportunities potentially to toll. Um, so we have had discussions previously with. Minjar tolling some ore from, from the Drummond Basin up at Jingo. There's a new owner for the Mount Carlton Mill to the uh, northeast of the old Evolution uh, Mill. Again, they're, look, they're both about 200, 250 kilometres away. So, you know, you know, higher grade ore plus two grams, two and a half grams probably makes sense. But, you know, if you're down at one and a half gram range, it's not going to really cover, cover the cost very well. So we'll keep exploring those things. Um, there's some heap leach potential. You know, obviously part of buying White Dam was to really get involved in that heap lead skill set and, and operating sort of capability and, and then, you know, there may be a need at some point in the future to transplant that sort of know-how. And Because there are heap leachable resources at Eugenia and, uh, and Yandan. Um, but, again, it's, you know, our North American investors probably prefer drill, 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 you know, go to three million ounce. Uh, the Australian market probably would like to see progress towards production you know, a little bit earlier. So, you know, we've got to juggle these these elements with the market and and obviously with the market in terms of funding, you know, the gold price gets stronger or weaker, then then it'll change our, our our focus a little bit. So yeah, it's interesting you say that the, the whole North American thing, which is you know drill to the edge of the envelope, whereas Australia kind of get into revenue quicker, please, and stop diluting. Yeah. It seems to be the message. But I mean, but the would you say about how you have to pl- because you've got to talk to the market and there's an expectation there, you have to probably come out there slightly differently from how you would plan it if money wasn't a problem and 
you know, you, you, maybe even if you're a private company, don't you? So you, you've got that yeah. dance to do. And do you enjoy that? Yeah, yeah. Like it's a challenge. There's always, uh, as I say, you know, in, in terms of the exploration, like you know, there's there's the hail mary holes and try and find the next hundred thousand no, million ounce, you know, high grade epithermal deposit like the Jingo or, or like some of the uh, sort of zones in Krakow. You know, versus you know incremental ounce, you know another hundred here, another two hundred there, three hundred there. You know, so we've got to you know obviously have a strategy where we're focused on on the big greenfields and brownfields exploration success targets. Plus, you know, bringing you know the Yandan resource, we'll do a resource upgrade early next year and take you know a fair chunk of that from in, in, inferred into indicated. At Twin Hills, we'll do a resource upgrade. Uh, we'll have that finished sort of towards the end of this year, and once we actually own the tenements, we'll announce a, uh, a resource upgrade there in early, early, early 2022. So you know you've got to keep these things moving forward, but um, but there's a bit of a balance. You know we don't want to do we won't do really massive scoping, you know, pre fee studies on on the project development scenario because you know if Twin Hills grows to one one and a half million ounces, then you know, the centre of the universe moves a bit from the end down, down to Twin Hills and maybe there's a second node, you know, that the first node is Twin Hills and maybe the end becomes a second node of a processing plant. So, you know, we don't want to spend money on a study that then, you know, in a year's time is a total waste of time. So it's, a, it's doing enough work to look at the options, get a better understanding of your, you know, which way you can go subject to other things happening and that's really what our focus will be early next year. Okay, fantastic. Um, well, look, Peter, I appreciate you talking to us and letting us know what you're up to. Uh, it's drill, drill, drill. Are, are you are you getting delayed um, at all in terms of assaying and and you know, and also yeah, while, while we're at it, can you the inflation and supply chain and all that wonderful stuff that people are talking about at the moment? Are you being affected? Look, a little bit. Assays we were good until uh, probably a couple of months ago. We were getting two, three week turnaround. Now we're sort of blowing out to five, six, seven. Um, so that's that's a bit of a pain. Um, look, the advantage we've got is we've got we've got multiple targets, so we can you know drill an area and then move to another area, and as we get the results, we can interpret them and you know and then come back into that area. So so we have flexibility, and, and certainly you know next year we'll drill uh, early early in the year we'll drill Twin Hills, and if we're finding there's delays on assay and we you know need more information before we can target the next holes, we'll just go and drill some of our other targets. Uh, Ilamartha, Yandan, you know, there's a second round there. Cost pressures, look, there's a little bit. Um, we're probably fortunate that, that there's a drilling company in, in Queensland that, you know, had a big program with Minjarit at, um, at Pajingo. They've sort of cut their budgets quite substantially uh, so that, you know, there are plenty of rigs available. So rig availability is not an issue in Queensland. COVID, you know, hasn't really been an issue. We've been fortunate that we've got a strong team in South Australia to run White Dam. We've got a Good exploration team in Victoria, sort of Bendigo, Castle Main area, so that manages the Malmesbury project with the you know, Victorian lockdowns, and we've got our base in Queensland and, and Grubbin Basin. So, yeah, COVID really hasn't affected our ability to operate and, and do what we want to do. I mean, a few minor delays here. Okay. And so, how many drills will you be using? Uh, look, the plan next year would, is for the 20,000 metres is to get one rig started on Twin Hills and then get a second rig working on the Mount Gula and the NN. Uh, targets. Okay, and then I guess you'll, you'll play it from there, depending on what you see, you may bring in more or not. Yep. Okay. Yeah, look, we could probably we could probably manage three or four, but obviously, yeah, just need to work through the funding. 
how that would play out if we were trying to come three or four years at once. Brilliant. Okay. In terms of the cash and selling shares. Okay. Well, look, Peter, appreciate your time today. Uh, thanks very much. Nice story. Uh, stay in touch with uh, us. And if you get any of those assay results back and um, or when you get those assay back, do pick up the phone and let us know how you get on. Okay. Yeah, no, thanks, Matt. Thanks for the invite. Good to talk.